lot like Lismas. If you've been around a while, you know that. If you know, you know. You do, yeah. Don't you sing got... that every year? It's beginning to look a lot like Lismas. Yeah. Yeah. He sings that around the house. It's quite I cute. I, I do like the tree. It, it, it has, like, oh. good ambiance. I feel like until you decorate for Christmas, you only have, like, little lamps or candles. Right. It doesn't quite capture... It fills the house. It the fills room. the house. Yeah. Do you feel like that at your at your place when you have the Christmas lights and the garland and the lights, and then you put some candles on, put a little like uh, snowstorm on the TV, or if you're in the Midwest, you just look out your window. But here in Florida, you got to put the snow <laughs> the snowstorm on the TV. Here in Florida, you got hurricanes. Yeah, you have those like every couple six, weeks. Yeah, six, eight weeks before. How far away are we? No, guys, it's quite crazy because if you live in Florida, you're probably well aware. If you don't, maybe you don't know about it. Maybe you have. But there is now a tropical storm named Nicole. And she looks to be turning into a Category 1, which if you're a Floridian, I mean, that's not that bad. Like getting yeah. a tropical storm, you're just going to have you know some bad weather, of course. But... The last one we had, Hurricane Ian, that neared almost a Category 5, and that's, you know, devastating. Very, very bad. I mean, Category 1 is still horrible weather, but I guess you kind of prep yourself to go, eh, just a tropical storm. Yeah, and being in Orlando, we get we get kind of saved more often than not just because there's so much land. You know, if yes. you're on the coast, that's when people are evacuating. But, um, but yeah, hopefully it's just mild. Like, we already had you know, Ian, and then I just feel like the energy of the world, like we had the Powerball, which was bigger than it's ever been, 1.9 million, where someone in Southern California finally won it. Um, but then they were delayed on that. The midterms, we're filming this Wednesday, the results yes. still aren't in. You've got Hurricane Nicole, you have the holidays coming. Honey, it's because of the eclipse that happened on Tuesday. And there was a blood moon, which for any of you who are into this kind of stuff, it just means that's a crazy time. It was like, I think it was like a double eclipse or something I want to say. But if I, I read up a lot on it and everyone was writing me going, this eclipse is making it crazy. So I feel that. Yeah. And based off of the things you just said, it's been a little chaotic energy out there. So if you've been feeling a little bit of chaotic energy the past few days, maybe it was the eclipse. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe life's just crazy. But it's pretty wild because I think it was on Sunday. I was on TikTok and all of a sudden this gentleman who's named uh, Mike the Weatherman, mm -hmm. he pops up on my feed and I go, oh no. And the thing with Mike the Weatherman, he's been this um, blogger about the tropics and hurricanes and everything since 2004. And he's a very trusted source because he actually goes to the storms and he just, I mean, it's his life, you know, it's his livelihood. And so everyone always knows that when he pops up, you go, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. What's coming? I saw him coming up there. And he was basically saying, yeah, you know, Nicole is a tropical storm right now. We'll see what happens. But the thing with hurricanes, you don't know until they're here. I'm not worried. Even last time, like we went to a hotel, waste of money, had a little flooding, some soffit okay. blew off our roof, but we would have been just fine. But Alyssa's the doomsday prepper. I know. It's so so bad. it's like you just gotta just Here, rock with it. Here's my deal though. When it comes to the really big hurricanes, I get so terrified of tornadoes. Yeah. And I feel if you're in a big, sturdy, you know, perhaps it's Disney or Universal type hotel or building that I feel a little bit safer. But I freak out when it comes to natural disasters. I am such a type A 
like to be in control. I mean, even you see me with prepping, I'm crazy. It's you, very hard for me. Well, it's so funny that her and I have totally different anxieties about life. Like, I'm not afraid of catastrophe, death, dying. Like, I have, like, zero concern or fear because I just go, well, if it's going to be over, it's over. I have more anxiety about the day-to-day -day things. You are always, like, about, like, terminal or, like, catastrophe. Like, you are so anxious about if death. my knee hurts, I'm like, oh my gosh, am yeah. I dying? I'm like, well, if you are, it's it's over. Like my anxieties come from like everyday life because we're most likely not going to die tomorrow. <laughs> so you're having to figure out and plan your life and take risks and yeah. work and, yeah. you know, manage your relationships. And like, that's where my anxiety comes from. Yours just is like, the first ever tornado is going to come to <laughs> Orlando and kill us all. I'm I like, well, we'd go out together. I mean... But I don't, you know what's really interesting though? My anxiety has always stemmed around death. And even when I was a little girl, I remember being in the bathroom with my mom. I was so young. And I just remember crying to her and I go, I just, I can't imagine like dying one day or life without you or death. Like it, it was a pivotal moment for me. And I'm like, I wonder what it is that always made me that way. Because I, it just, oh, gotta get my dog. Gotta get the dog. Hold on guys. I knew he wasn't going to make it. Should I set him on the ground? Yeah, let's see what he does. But yeah, the uh, what were you saying? So yeah, it's just I've always been kind of almost fascinated too with death. And you know what's so weird about this? I want to make sure I have the exact name. I just ordered this book because I'm like, if I lose power, I want to have something to do. <laughs> this is what I do. Also, I got us a. Um, Oh, what was it? Hold on. I got us a, a battery so that we can charge our phone if we need it. Cordless battery. But I ordered this book. I've heard a lot about it. And like I said, I'm fascinated about thoughts of the afterlife or reincarnation or what happens because at the end of the day, I'm always open to open my mind. I'm always open to learn and it just fascinates me. Yeah. So there is this book called Journey of Souls and it's case studies of life between lives. So they had mediums and different individuals who share all these different like experiences or people that had near death. And I don't know, I've heard so much. It's by Michael Newton, PhD. And this, I'm like so. It's got a lot of good reviews on I know, that too. look at that. Well, that's the, that's the interesting part is that 8, it's 100% true that there's something because we've we've talked to psychics and mediums before and there were it's 100% confirmed through our personal experience yeah. that there is no research like family secrets that like no one would you know, know like her being like oh you're going to go on and write a best selling book it's like okay you can guess that but when it's like secret things in the family that zero people would ever know I'm like, well, you obviously did talk to that person. Yeah. Because how else would you know that? That's a family it, secret. It's unbelievable. So we've had many experiences that aren't just coincidences. So I believe that you that some people can communicate once you've passed. Yep. Um, well, I want to share really quick, Benjamin, a little bit about um, this author. This is what fascinates me. Michael Newton holds a doctorate in counseling psychology. He's a certified master hypnotherapist and is a member of the American Counseling Association. 
He's been on the faculty of higher educational institutions as a teacher while active in private practice in LA. Over many years, Dr. Newton developed his own intensive age regression techniques in order to effectively take hypnosis subjects beyond their past life memories to a more meaningful soul experience between lives. He is considered to be a pioneer in uncovering the mysteries about life after death through the use of spiritual hypnotic regression. He now trains other advanced hypnotherapists in his techniques. But that just kind of interests me. I'm like, well, you're very well educated. If I'm going to indulge in any sort of information, it might as well be by him. But this guy is really famous. That'll be cool. You have to give me the cliff notes. Is there, maybe, a, is there a movie about it that I can watch? Maybe you can go to, what was it, Pink Monkey? I think so. Maybe that'll be. This I was a callback, but I think it was to our members Pod, oh podcast. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were talking about Pink yeah. Monkey. I just used to do the cliff notes in school. I, I tried. I became an avid reader for like six months, and I read like all like the top ten books that you should read, whether it was through audiobook or like fought through it and read it, um, and gained a lot of value from them. But I just found my. I like podcasts. I like clips. I like video. I just consume it better because I I, I wander too much reading. For it's so interesting for you. He loves audio. He loves listening, being on a walk, listening. For me, if I had to watch a video, listen to audio, or read an article about something, one hundred and ten percent, one hundred and ten percent, always would read. Yeah. I just like I sit on my phone and I sit and read articles <laughs> for like hours. I just love to absorb it that way. Even funny enough, I've been dabbling in learning Spanish. Um, because, you know, I have family coming and just throughout life, I think it'd be really cool. That's a big part of who I am that I never really explored. And when I'm learning it, they have it through audio. They have it through written aspects. And I find it so much more um, easy for me when I sit and I read the word and I go, oh, that's the word. And then I hear it. Yeah. Instead of just hearing it, I, ha I have to see it. I have to see how it's spelled. Well, I think learning 100%. You got to do that. Yeah. But it's really... If you're learning to, like, a word, like, like knowing how to speak a language, yeah. But it's really cool because the one that I did purchase, I do a lot of it when I'm driving the audio portion. So they teach you different ways of, you know, saying the word. They just have this great, great system. And so I'm learning... Uh, little by little, but hopefully one day I will be fluent. <laughs> I think you can learn in six months. Oh, yeah. If you're really dedicated. I, I mean, Spanish is the only language that I think is worth learning at this point just because we would use it in our daily lives, yeah. especially living in Florida. Any other language is like just use the translation app. He chose violence. He chose violence. Y'all, sorry for all the background noise today. We had our dryer going off that really pretty little doo -doo 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 when he was talking, when Freddie was talking. And then Benji, poor little guy, he's, you guys know he has epilepsy, but he's been doing so well for the past, honestly, like three months. He hasn't had any episodes. And last night at 5.30, he had a little one. And so... It's always interesting waking up to it because he makes this crazy noise. It's very sad, but you get used to it after a while. And so, yeah, we dealt with that. And then I've been up since. <laughs> so, gotta love it. It's like, it's like a kid in training. Little Benjamin. But anywho, enough with the noises, enough with the distractions. <sighs> Are we distraction free? We're distraction free. All right, let's try it again. Try what? <laughs> Our show. What do you mean? <laughs> like take two? I don't know. <laughs> oh, like the second half? <laughs> yeah.
We're not going to do that over. No. No way. I'm just saying, let's get situated. Okay, I have something interesting I wanted to bring up to you because I know you and I, we just purchased this game called The Age Gap. Mm -hmm. And we're going to play it during Christmas time because his family's coming, mine will be here, and we've got all these different generations. Boomers, Gen X, Millennials. I don't think we have any Gen Z, though. We don't, do we? We don't have Gen Z, no. But we're 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 close. We're, we're close enough to it. We're in the culture. We know a little bit more. Yeah. And I think we know more about Gen Z because of TikTok. Oh Imagine yeah. Without, without that, that, we wouldn't know we anything. We wouldn't know. But this article recently came out, and it is basically um, emojis that Gen Z would like to cancel. They basically say that you're they know you're old if you use these. And there was a study that they did. Um, let me see here. Between 16 to 29, and these are 10 emojis that, when used in texting, make you seem old. So I want to see if you use any of these, and I'll tell you if I use them. Number one, the thumbs up emoji. I do not use that. You don't use the thumbs up emoji? Okay, I'll tell you, I think I use it solely for business purposes, but I use it often. <laughs> like, I'm almost a little embarrassed how much I use it. Well, what's the energy? What, what? I guess the replacement is just like, okay, sounds good. Yeah, so basically Gen Z thinks that the thumbs up is passive aggressive, which I guess I could see that. But for me, it's more of an efficient, like, yes, done and done. We've got this handled. All's good. I feel passive aggressive if you like, I always feel unfulfilled if I just double tap and like it, unless the relationship is incredibly close. Like, have to... like, 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 get hearting or or liking a, a thing. I feel is more passive than because really? it's like because it's like oh, like you've read it. And you want to let people know, like, hey, I've read it. I have nothing really to add, so I like it. But deep down, I always just feel like so. Oh, you had nothing else to say. I had nothing else to say. So we just like and it in the comment. It. You know, it's funny. My dad says the same thing. He hates when someone just responds with a heart or like. He's like expand yeah <laughs> share a little bit more so well i'm sorry not sorry gen z i love my thumbs up um the traditional red heart never use that the okay sign never use that i feel like i use that maybe 10 percent of the time and again it's kind of more business for me but i still prefer my thumbs up the check mark i use that sometimes do you use the check mark mm -hmm. The poo emoji. That one, I, I, never I don't that. use that. I do think, though, that is very millennial because when emojis first came out, remember that was like an icon for a second? There was some, maybe it was the emoji movie or something like that. And the poop emoji was just like on pillows. Do you remember that? Yeah, it just becomes so part of our life now. That you just don't even, I mean, I never use that one, though. This next one really upsets me. The intense crying face where they go with the tears. Yeah. Dude, I, I love that one. I, I use that. I use that all the time. How do you use it, though? I use it for, like, laughing my ass off. Oh, really? Like, crying, laughing. Yeah. Like, I know the Gen Z uses the skull, uh -huh. meaning dead. But I don't speak to people who are Gen Z through text. That's true, too. I don't have any relationships with Gen Z. So older, like, my millennials are older, understand crying... Laffy face is just more than LOL. Because LOL, 
Well, crying laughy face is different. That's like, haha. The crying, crying one, intense crying for me, I can see sometimes maybe a little laughter, but it's if I'm explaining something and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's like <laughs> something like I could see you and a couple of your girlfriends using. Totally. Um, the next one is the monkey covering its eyes. I don't really feel I use that that I'm much. Not, I, now that you're going through this, I'm not an emoji person. Like I never use emojis. <laughs> I use I use the smiley face um, just to because sometimes if I put explanations too much, it's a little too eager. Right. Um, so there's times that I'll just like write a message and put a smiley face at the end of it just so people are like, oh he's happy while saying this thing. I feel you use a weird smiley face. It's just the original. The original? Yeah, just, just the like the real... two dots in the line, just the regular <laughs> smiley, like, hey, uh, you know, this is really happy. Like, Because like, if, if someone says, like, hey, can you, you know, meet tomorrow at 2, and I say tomorrow at 2 doesn't work, you know, what about 6? And they go, yeah, that'll work. And I go, okay. Like, that gets the message across, but that doesn't seem, like, friendly enough. So I would just throw oh. a smiley face in it and be like, okay. Just so the, Or like, explanation hey. so that the, you know, but we understand. I think the boomer generation um, during email and text is still using it as like, they, they don't care to put personality. They're, they see it as an exchange of information for sure, efficiency. Sure. They don't see that putting personality matters for most. I'm sure there's a lot of boomers who of do. Of course. But if someone doesn't use emojis, explanations, or full sentences of responses then it just comes off rude or cold like if you write an email and someone goes okay uh we'll get on that it's like that's it not like okay freddie we'll get on that wishing you a wonderful weekend talk monday like that goes oh you cared well that's it there's a very fine line too between like one exclamation and then using it again, like I would never, like one paragraph maybe gets one exclamation. Yeah. You know, but I think because we are millennials, we were the first generation who, at an important age, I would say, were introduced to this and we were trying to be friendly and nice. And I'll see people talk about this all the time where they just want to come across pleasant in an email. And so what they say, the punctuation, all of that comes into play with emojis too. Like sometimes in emails, I'll put the smiley face just so they know I'm friendly, I'm pleasant, and I, I'm just showing, hey, I'm a kind person. <laughs> like, do, do you change the emojis in the way you speak if it's a male or female? In business, I always use like a smiley face and a thumbs up. Doesn't matter if it's male or female. Hmm. Um, if it's friends, that's obviously different. But yeah, business, it, it's always just those two. Because I, I would I never use emojis with men. Really? Uh-uh. Because why would you? You don't have to. It's it's a little it's it's um there's like this like the way you shake hands and look at each other and the way that men vibe when we meet, unless I really know them, like a really good friend, right. then it doesn't matter. But if you're just like in you know, a client or in, or just kind of an acquaintance or something, like I would yeah. never use emojis with another man. That's interesting though. I could see that. Yeah. Why, like why would you? Like, hey man. Smiley wanted to face. invite you to this event tonight if you're free to come smiley face no different vibe. but it's like if it's a female friend or something it just it's just lighter it lightens it but you don't want to lighten it to another man you want to just lighten it to like of a female so that's just like depending on how it is but yeah like clients that we've had like, like when i 
yeah, I, funny, most of them have been women. Women, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I would never in a million years, like the one husband that we worked with, like I wouldn't text him a smiley face. <laughs> You know, but all the females, oh, I would be like, that's funny. I just want to be soft because there's a lot of very hard, rigid businessmen or just hard, like blunt men in general that you can feel the energy through it. Right. And I never want to come off, come off that way. I'm just yeah. like, Hey, I'm just a nice professional, friendly guy. Like I'm easy going. Like, I'm not going to be like, mm. right. No, of course. And it's funny now that you mentioned that there's one client I had who was a male who I've worked with quite a few times this year and he does the same emojis I do and I don't know if that's because he's mirroring what I do or maybe I mirrored him but it's always just the nice friendly smiley face and a thumbs up because we're very just like business you know every now yeah. and then there will be jokes maybe it, once in a while I do like the laughy emoji if he made me laugh or something yeah but for you to just write a client who's a male <laughs> smiley faces I don't think you would I would never. I don't think no. you would. Or and I and it just it depends on position too. Like if I was going to go and um, email a brokerage to go join, whether it was a male or female, before I know them, I would be one hundred percent professional. Yeah. Like I would never like text and go, okay, cool, see you tomorrow at two, smiley face. Like I would be professional until right. I vibed her out. Sure. And then I go, oh, okay, now I'm going to be. That's how I think that all like it's the new body language. It's the it's new posture. Yes. It's the new verbiage. Yes, you know, everything totally. in language matters. Um, the facial expressions that we make play a huge role. Um, even feeling people's energy in the room, and that's why even when we started getting into the Zoom land, it does take away a lot. Right. And the other thing that they're trying to fix, which I'm very excited about in the metaverse, once we start getting in there in about three to five years, is they found the technology now that will shape your eyes where you are looking at each other. Because if you're on a Zoom, mm. if you want to look into their eyes, you have to look into the camera. Therefore, you're not looking into their eyes. Right. So anytime you're on a FaceTime or anytime you're on a Zoom, you're not really looking at the person in the eye. It's your peripheral that kind of thing. You can tell you're talking to each yeah. other, but you're not feeling that person. And even if I looked into the camera to make them feel something, I don't see them. You're looking into so the it would, camera. So it would be acting. Because, you know, that's what I used to do when I was working with people when I was like in a giggly mood I would deliver some of my lines to their forehead and just act it because if I saw into their soul I would break character <laughs> so there's times that I would look just above their forehead and I would say it to their forehead because yeah. if I saw their soul I would lose you it you know it's over so, so that took away that connection but I think in the metaverse they created technology now where we're going to be able to sit in the room and look mm -hmm. at each other and it's also mirroring our facial expressions so that we can really feel I, I, you're still not going to feel like you're there, right. but it's going to be better. But that's interesting. Imagine on laptops, if that's what you're using to Zoom, if when you looked at the screen, there was somehow a technology and a camera in there so that you could look at the screen and look them in the eyes and the camera's picking was, up can, the, yeah. the screen. But I don't even know how they do that. But There's something else that Google's doing as well that I saw that there's it's, it's some sort of like, um, like where it, it'll take you out of the Zoom and it'll somehow project you so that their background is as is would be like our living room behind here. So when we're on oh. the Zoom, it almost looks like they're sitting here, or maybe it's through glasses. But they're getting closer. I feel like by twenty thirty for sure, yeah. we're going to be fully immersed in the next eight years we'll and be able to connect and and see how that would actually play out. Yeah. But but yeah, the body language is, is everything. Um, but I, it's crazy.
crazy too though body language now using emojis is very much like body language like you stated it's it's personal you have to get to know someone before i feel you use it but isn't it interesting back in the day they used to use hieroglyphics Mm -hmm. to communicate or whatever that was whatever that looked like and today here we are it's the same thing i can send three or five emojis to someone and they know exactly what i mean yeah pretty wild and memes. I think if I had to say more than anything, more than like telehealth that's coming, more than all of these other um, huge technological advances, yeah. the best thing the internet has ever done is memes. <laughs> memes are worth every downside that social media has because the memes are so undefeated. And to just have a few words in a picture of something random yeah. that tells a massive story and usually makes you laugh if they're well done, right. which the ones that go viral obviously have to be or that you would never see them. But the memes are, there's nothing better. No. And you know, it's pretty wild. I recall, I think it was early 2000s when memes first started coming out. And I have this moment I always still remember. I think I was even, no, was I talking to you? That would have been like 2010. But whoever I was talking to, I was like, man, with memes, you really see how funny people in the world are. Because mm -hmm. before that, we only knew who we knew in person. Yeah. We didn't know the entire internet had an incredible sense of humor, that there were so many funny people out there. All we knew was, you know, your town or who you yeah. knew in person. And I just, I remember thinking, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. It was like MySpace days. Were you on MySpace? Um, not really. What's well, not really? Like, I think I had one and I like talked on it like twice, but... By the time I got it, Facebook was released to the public. Really? So you weren't a MySpacer? No. Oh my God, high school was all about MySpace. Your profile, you put your song on your profile. Because for Facebook, you had to have a college email address for a while. Mm -hmm. I think I used my sister's. I was like, can I borrow your email address? Because <laughs> I was still in high school. Yeah. But times have changed. Now you go onto Facebook. Lord knows what you're gonna get there. <laughs> Facebook's making a huge comeback. I know. Everyone like I know crapped on it for a while, but it is, it is got so many users, and the amount of exposure that you can get, like our Facebook page. For those of you who are watching this on there, um, it just gets so many hits. Like we yeah. can make a small little video that'll get like fifty thousand views. That's wild. And I'm still waiting on what Instagram's gonna do. It, it just, it's so much. It is. I but just don't even know how to use it anymore. Like, I, if you if you haven't noticed, I mean, like, I'm just not even on Instagram anymore. I, I don't, I, I just, every everything you. that they're suggesting to me is not what I'm interested in. Hmm. Everything that they're also suggesting to me is something that was viral two months ago on TikTok that I've already <laughs> seen. And then there's like a few people that will pop up that I follow, but mainly... Like, yeah, I don't go on it anymore. Like, I'll post a video yeah, every now and then, but I haven't figured out a way in today's world. Like, if I post, most of my followers aren't going to see it. So what That's I want to post on Instagram is a, as where I go, oh, my followers would love to see me cooking some meal because they followed this journey. But if I don't do it in a way that is engaging to a stranger then it won't be pushed to my followers and it won't be pushed to other people. Okay. So I have to basically make content that my 
followers will like, but also with the twist of understanding that this has to be a potential way to go viral for them to push it. Right. Because if it goes to a handful of strangers and no one likes it, they won't show it. Right. So it's taken away where I, well, now when I make a video for Instagram, like this won't go viral. This is going to get very little views and basically none of my followers are going to see it, but the ones that do will be happy. Or I can make one that I know will go viral, but it's a topic that my followers are going to be like, this is new for Freddie. Like if they see it. Right. And so I'm trying to just like figure out what to do there. Um, But I almost feels like stories are for your followers and reels are for strangers and discoverability. Yep. And then they also released a new feature called subscriptions, which mm-hmm. I'm just sitting on. I'm seeing what they're doing with it, um, which could kind of be cool. But the only way I'd ever want to do that is if we could bundle our members podcast mm-hmm. with subscriptions where people wouldn't ha- I wouldn't want people to double pay. Like be I want to be over. like really, really cheap. Um, and just like one thing where you get not only the extra podcast on every Sunday, but you also get exclusive like stories throughout the week. Right. But it would all have to be in one place. Well, I guess you'd have to see like if anyone signed up through Instagram, you would cancel basically the memberships on Facebook and YouTube. But then also maybe people on Facebook and YouTube just want to stay there. Maybe people on Instagram don't go to YouTube or Facebook to watch the pod and they just want to see behind the scenes stories of your life. You, you know, yeah, you just don't know what people want. But it's the organization because then you're like, okay, well, now I have a premium subscription for $5 a month for people that are paying for Instagram. So I have to be cognizant of that as well as my followers who just don't want to pay, who just want to like tune in every now and then. Yeah. You have to keep them engaged. Then you have to make reels on Instagram that are engaging for strangers and discoverability as well as making it for Facebook reels, Facebook long form, YouTube shorts, and TikTok, and plus the membership podcast. So it just becomes like, like you, in order it seems like to be a very successful content content creator these days, you almost need a small production team. Sure. Or you have to pick one avenue and basically just go all in. But we knew that theory before. I was like, I don't want to take people from Facebook and say you can only watch us if it's on YouTube because there's 100,000 people that will never want to go to YouTube and watch it. And now you have 100,000 people who would have loved you that you just shut off. Yeah. But it's really hard because each piece is something different. Right. So it's like, that's why I don't want to jump into anything, especially when it comes to money. So I don't have a plan yet and I haven't figured out how I could make that valuable for all of you. Right. So I'm not going to do it as of yet or if I ever will. But if I could think of something valuable that would be worth it, then I might consider it. Because based off of what I've seen creators do, some of them it's, you know, behind the scenes or you just get extra content, extra reels, extra stories, whatever it might be about that person. Um you know, life, all of that. Then there's sometimes people that I'll see, especially, I guess you could call it like an influencer where their followers, they teach how to make the certain reels, how to edit your photos, how to do, like that's what their niche is. So I feel if you're doing a subscription, you just have to know your model, what you're presenting and, you know, obviously what the, the member is going to receive. But I mean, it's endless. It's really crazy to see how content is evolving and evolving even Mm -hmm. on instagram it is wild 
how much they're pushing video because even when I post photos, the reach versus what it used to be, it, it, that means they're not showing it to not even a fraction of what they used to, but Instagram wants it to be a video platform. Yeah. They want you to make reels so you can get paid to make reels. But it's it just a wild, wild horse, all of it. Just looking at it, it's insane. Well, and, and the other part is just really finding, especially these days, like finding your niche of what your content's about because it's really hard to pick up. Because that, that's what really changed, which is really putting a lot of pressure on content creators is that when I built a following, let's just keep using Instagram as an example, all of you know when you chose to follow Freddie what you were going to get. Mm -hmm. But... Now, if I'm making content that you're that only 800 of the 50,000 or 60,000 people are going to see, well, that's not sustainable on a business model. So then you're forced to make it for, like I said, a discoverable audience. Yeah. But if I do real estate, that's just boring to me. Like for for as when it comes to a content creator, because 99% of you aren't buying a house. So I don't want to talk all about real estate or all about cooking. But then if I do a little bit of cooking, a little bit of real estate, a little bit of podcast, a little bit of politics, a little bit of pop culture, then when a stranger sees it, they'll follow me and go, oh, this guy's really good with cooking. And they're like, he hasn't cooked in three months now. Like, I don't want to follow him anymore. So it's like, it's this weird, like cat and mouse game right now. You got to have a couple of categories and just continue to go through them. People know they're following Freddie Smith. If it's real estate, if it's cooking and I don't know pop culture say those were your three things you just recycle through and they know that's what you do and I mean that's true yeah it's just when I see all the big accounts unless you're famous like Kevin Hart still two, three years later goes hey I'm doing a TikTok I'm doing a TikTok hey yeah. you want to do a TikTok yeah. eight million views because he's Kevin Hart but all the other people who built it from a ground up it's like they're a mechanic and, and they're doing mechanic. And when they're doing wholesale flipping, they've built their whole audience on wholesale flipping houses and things like that. Yeah. Or you have someone who's a business owner that only talks about building business. But then and you see their life around it too. I mean, even people I follow, yeah, even if it's a mechanic owner, but they're also going to show behind the scenes like, oh yeah, just leave them work, grabbing this food and tells a joke or whatever it is. Like you see lifestyles surrounding whatever it is they do, but they always say, have your niche if you're not a famous person. Have your niche if you wanna grow organically. From there, you can grow, grow, grow. Then once you get a big enough following, then you can start doing the other categories. Well, yeah, but it now but now it's creating a new niche. Yes. I need to create a new niche because what I'm doing every day is real estate, but I don't really wanna make content on that because my audience like there are people who, who only do real estate and it blows up their business and they're great, but it's, I don't know if I just want to do real estate. Just like do as the, as the core of it, um, you'll figure it out. And before it was like, you know, okay, so now I'm doing stuff about days or we're doing something about this, but now that we've transitioned and it's like, I can be like on TikTok, I do a lot more like husband wife stuff like that i do sure. a lot more comedy stuff on like tiktok but maybe you um, do comedy on instagram i feel like that's one thing that you kind of stopped doing that was really really popular for a long time is comedy and that's because obviously you've got this great skill and talent as an actor and people love comedy i mean even some of your other videos that have gone viral even this past year comedy or duets but you do a lot of comedy 
even some of the brand deals you did, like Head and Shoulders. Yeah. All comedy. Well, when you're selling something, I like comedy because it gives the audience value. At yeah. least they get a laugh yeah. for watching something. As you can tell, all I'm obsessed with what you all like. Yeah, that's so let I've, us know. I've I've been sold and bought into that model that the customer or the viewer or the fan or our podcast like what I everything I do is for you. Yeah. Because that's how you build depth and you build a wonderful business and content business. Um, so that's what I'm always like trying to figure out. But yeah, I'm like just in this limbo phase of like what what to make yeah. content Honestly, about. Honestly, though, what I like to do is trial and error. Because I love to do looks and listings. So, you know, with real estate, the listings. I love the house tours. I love city tours. I love things to do in Orlando. And then I also love fashion so much. So I try and combine that. But I see, oh, they're pushing this. That means that people who are watching it are enjoying it and you just trial and error i know on certain platforms this will do way better on this platform and then others i go oh they're not gonna well, like that as much well i think what you have successfully done very well as as you you've pleased your audience who follows you for you and have seamlessly let them know that you're in real estate and that's right. where a lot of our clients come from um but if it goes to just solely growing like you've built, like you're like really good at the maintaining. Right. But we haven't figured out how to get you to a million followers. Right. Like doing like a fashion thing like everyone else is nice to mix in, but it had like, so that's what I'm thinking. It's like, if you make things about real estate, then we get more real estate deals, which makes us more money. The more money you get, the more people you can hire and build out more stuff. If I choose comedy, I'm building a comedy page for the outcome of what? Yes, I'm making people laugh. Yes, I get 200,000 new followers. And it's like... Well, to grow an account to continue to grow your business. But it's doing the comedy. It's doing entertaining. Yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, you got to figure out, hey, what do I like? What's the direction I'm going? And just do it. Just try it. Because even if people don't like it, you're going to know. And you'll go, oh, okay, well... But I know what people edit. are like. I, I, I humbly don't make videos that bomb. Like I know, like I, he's not lying. Like I, I make video. Like I, I know what will work because I understand how to make them. It's very true. Um, it's very, but very I, true. I just, I just want to just figure out what my like when someone came over to install our our video or our security system uh, a couple yeah. months ago. When he saw our cameras, he's like, oh, he's like, what you know, like what do you guys do? And like we're like content and real estate. He's like, what do you do for the content? And I couldn't in just one sentence explain what we are. Other than the fact of like, oh, we're like lifestyle, like, like comedy and like, that's a problem where if someone goes, oh, you do this. It's like, yeah, I actually refurbish old furniture and turn it into antiques and sell it for, you know, X, Y, and Z, or I run a pet shelter and I do all these different things. It's like, oh, or I taste all the best foods in Orlando and like, oh, I really want to know what that, like, it's like that messaging is really important these days. It's real estate and exploring Florida. That's what we were doing for a long time, too. So we're going to get going, but send all the good vibes. We are wishing you all the best rest of your week and awesome weekend. And we'll see you here next, next Wednesday. Wednesday. Have a go, everyone. We'll see you next Wednesday. Wednesday.